it's so good to, to be back in here with all of you. Uh, I can't, I can't. I can't express how grateful I truly am. You know, I know it's just another step. I know this is just a building. But I've been doing a lot of reflecting this past week, just kind of in light of coming back in here. And I'm just filled with so much gratitude at God's goodness and his faithfulness and, and your faithfulness, you know, throughout this entire year. And just being in here today is, is evidence of that. And I feel so blessed to to serve you as one of your, your pastors uh, here. Uh, two people, I, I just kind of want to say a special thank you to and just kind of brag on since we're all here is Matt Wada and Nikki Yoshinaga. Um, <laughs> I may I take all morning talking about what they did, but basically we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. And, getting us online and virtual, doing the outdoor services, getting us ready for this and still being virtual. Uh, that's all the two of them. So, so thank you both um, for all that and encourage you, all of you, to thank them if and when you, you get the chance. Well, this morning we're going to just pick up where we left off through our series in Romans. And this is a series that we started back in October when we were you know, online only. We continued through it in our outdoor services, and now we're going to pick up where we left off here indoor. And I think it's just a powerful reminder that um, regardless of our circumstances, you know, that our circumstances can change. It doesn't matter how we meet, where we meet. Uh, God's word will always remain constant, will always uh, remain the same. So if you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Or you can look up on our screen, which feels so nice to, to say that. Never thought it would, but it, it does. So verse 14, the Apostle Paul writes, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I practiced this a bunch of times, Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So here in, in this section, Apostle Paul has given us some additional insight into his, his heart, into, into his motivation and 
in writing this letter. Now, if you just consider the length of this letter and the breadth of topics that he covers and the depth to which he goes into, it's obvious that Paul has a lot to say to these Christians in Rome, which makes how he starts this section kind of interesting because he begins this section by saying, I am convinced that, that you're all good. You know, you're full of knowledge, you're full of goodness, you're more than capable of teaching these things to one another. In other words, you didn't need me to tell you these things. You already know. But I felt compelled, he says, to remind you of certain truths, hard truths, difficult truths, challenging truths. Ultimately, he says, because of what I have been called to do. And he says this calling that he, he's been given, this calling that has been given to him by the grace of God, he says, it's my mission, it's my purpose, it's my drive, it's my motivation. And this calling, he says, is to share the gospel. It's to communicate all of the good that God has done so that, he says in verse 16, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See, what Paul is saying is that the reason I'm writing this letter, everything I've done, everything I'm doing, everything I'm sharing with you, it's so that people who have never heard of God, everybody outside of Israel, everyone who didn't grow up hearing about Yahweh, so that they can get to know God, so they can grow to trust God, love God, ultimately live for God. He goes on to say everything that God is doing in him, everything God is doing through him, the preaching, the teaching, the writing, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the demonstrations of power, the traveling, the mission trips, the church planting. It's so that people who have never heard of God can get to know God and be an offering acceptable to God. That their lives would please God, honor God, Glorify God. Bring joy to God. Now it's kind of intriguing to imagine, and I guess it's hard to know, what the Gentile Christians were feeling as soon as this part of the letter was being read to them. Right? For many of them, the notion of an offering, you know, any kind of offering that was given to any kind of God would have been something that was placed on an altar. If it was alive, it would be killed, set on fire, and that would be the offering to a God. And here Paul is saying, I am writing you this letter so that you, not just him, not just her, you, would be an offering to God. Right? It's hard to wonder whether their response would have been like, ooh, 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 me first, me first. Right? Or what if it would have been like, whoa, who are you calling an offering? And the reality is we will probably never know. But perhaps what they felt would have been something similar to what we're about to feel in a few moments. You see, because the obvious point here is that the reason we have this letter, the reason God did all that he did, the reason God called Paul to tell us about all that he did, is so that we, would be an offering, acceptable and pleasing to God. That we would get to know God, 
grow to trust God, love God, ultimately live this one life all out for God. That our lives would be pleasing to him, honoring, glorifying. That our lives would bring joy to him. Now when I was a young kid growing up uh, in, in church, going to church as far as I can remember, the notion of an offering to me was pretty much a can just like this, right? It was like a, a coffee can, a hot chocolate can, you know, lid, little slit on top, offering written on it. And at you know, some point uh, on our way to church, you know, my parents would give my brother and I you know, a few quarters, maybe a dollar, and, and they'd say, here's your, here's your offering. And we'd be in Sunday school, children's church, and at some point, you know, this, this can would get passed around. And, you know, we'd take our, our quarters that mom and dad gave us, and, you know, we'd just put it in the can. And, you know, people could hear what you, what you gave, and, you know, if you, if you forgot, you could just <laughs> flick the bottom. And it sounded like you gave, right? right? It was better than a dollar bill, because a dollar bill didn't make any noise. But that was like our gift to God, right? That was our offering. And for most of my childhood, that was offering to me. And I never really thought much more about it. Eventually, you know, I got older and a teeny bit more mature. And I began to learn, I began to discover that, yeah, offering to God is, is more than just a couple quarters of week that mom and dad gave me. I remember getting my first job as a 16-year-old at a Unical 76 gas station, working as a gas attendant, making $4 an hour under the table. And I remember wrestling with like giving 10% or the idea of giving 10%. And I would consider to wrestle with that even as I would get you know, more high-paying jobs than the $4 an, an hour. Well, eventually, you know, I'd grow and I'd learn and, and come to discover that actually an offering to the Lord was it was more than just money, right? It was ultimately how we live our lives. And that's, in essence, what Paul is saying here, right? That the offering that God desires is, is more than just money, but it's, it's, it's all of us. It's all of me. It's all of you. It's our words. It's our thoughts. It's our actions. Everything we say, everything we do, everything we feel, everything we think, God desires to be an offering to him. That those things would honor him. It would please him, glorify him, that every aspect of our life, every moment, would be a blessing to him. It would bring him joy. So coming to church here on a Sunday morning, right, worshiping him with you know, singing and praise, right? that's, that's an offering to the Lord. Right? Blessing somebody who's in need, that's an offering right? to the Lord. Encouraging someone who's hurting, someone who's struggling, someone who's discouraged, offering to the Lord. Forgiving an enemy, reconciling with a friend or a family member, offering to the Lord. Repenting of a sin, turning from something that we are struggling with, offering to the Lord. And in many ways, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is, is our willingness, our ability to give more of ourselves to the Lord. 
Now, I think most of us, we, we know this. This isn't anything new. This isn't you know, anything revolutionary. I mean, the fact that we're here Sunday morning, the fact that some of us are watching online is evidence, right, that there are aspects of our life that we willingly, we joyfully give to the Lord. We wouldn't be here if, if that were the case. We, there are parts of our lives that we give to the Lord joyfully, willingly, and maybe, you know, small parts of it that we do begrudgingly. But for the most part, we do it. It's why we're here. But the challenge for some of us, and by some of us, I mean all of us, right? the challenge for all of us is that we still have parts of our life that we're, we're, we're still holding on to. Parts of our life where we're just not ready to, to give to God. We're not quite comfortable giving him access to, permission to speak into, the ability to, to address, to work on. Perhaps there, there are certain sins that we still attempt to just justify to ourselves, to, to those around us. Maybe there are certain comforts, certain luxuries that we're just you know, holding on to a little too tightly, saying, God, I, I can't give this up. Maybe there are just certain excuses that we have that we continue to, to choose to, to hide behind. And while it's completely understandable, we all have them, and while there's no judgment, no condemnation because of what Jesus has done for us through his life, his death, his resurrection, what Paul is saying is that God wants all of it. Right? There's no part in our life that he doesn't want to be God over. There's no aspect to us that he doesn't want to rule and reign. It, it kind of comes with the territory of, of being God. God wants all of it to be an offering acceptable and pleasing to him. Now, I think some of us, we, we hear things like this, and, and maybe our immediate reaction is, all right, fine then. If that's what I, okay, okay. Like, right, like, that's not what God wants. That's not what Paul is saying. You see, the focus is not on what we need to do. The focus is on what God has already done. You see, Paul says, I am writing you this letter to remind you of what God has done so that you would be an offering, acceptable and pleasing to God. That the focus is not on what we need to give, the focus is on what God has already given. Which implies a couple things. The first implication is that the more we understand what God has given, the more we will give which implies that the reason we don't give our all is because perhaps we don't fully understand all that we've been given. And that's both humbling but ex extremely encouraging. On one, it's humbling because perhaps we don't know God as well as we think we do. And yet it's really encouraging because regardless of where we are, there's still so much more of God yet to be known. And that requires the Holy Spirit, which we've been given. Right? An offering acceptable to God, Paul says, is to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Which means this isn't about what we do for ourselves, it's what God can do in us. So the obvious question this morning is what areas in our life 
is God calling us to let go of next? I mean, we know God wants all of it, but it's a process. It's a journey. So what are those areas in our life now that God is speaking into, that God is asking us to, to let go of, to bring forward to him as an offering to him? Uh, there's a couple areas in my life that, you know, in recent weeks, recent months, God's been pressing into, and you know, I just want to share those with you. Uh, one area in my life that God's been challenging me with is spending time with him, being intentional and in carving out time every morning to spend it with him. Now, my routine, my rhythm, you know, for the past few years, for the most part, you know, I'm not always perfect at this, but for the most part, it's been to carve aside one hour every morning to spend time with the Lord, to journal, to pray, to, to just reflect, to listen. And I know that I have the privilege to be able to do it and to call it work. And it's, you know, I'm blessed to do that. But in recent weeks, recent months, what I've been feeling God say to me is, can you give me more? Can you give me two hours? Can you give me three? And that's not an easy thing for me to do, although it's probably easier for me because I get to do it as work, but it's not an easy thing for me to do, especially when there's just a lot of other things to do. Right? There's deadlines to meet, sermons to write, events to plan for, things to, to, to do at times when I'm feeling stressed, overwhelmed. Right? So a lot of times I'm wrestling with God in the morning, okay, God, like, I want to do this, but you got to help me. Right? You have to help me to slow down. You have to help me to be still. You have to help me to trust you with all the other things that I need to get done. You need to help me to, to hear you. You need to help me to sense you, to, to be present, to enjoy this time together. And I don't always get it right. I don't always do it perfectly. Every morning it's still a struggle, but all I can say is when I can do it well, it's always good. It's always worth it. And there's never a time where I'm thinking like, oh, that was a waste of time. It's always good. So that's one area for me. Another area God's been pressing into in my life, challenging me with, is my attitude at home. My attitude at home. Now, I don't know how long I've operated this way. You can ask Amber, and I'm kind of scared to see what she'll say. But kind of my rhythm for as long as I can remember as a working adult, as a husband, as a father, it's, you know, I'm, I come to work pretty early. I'm more of a morning person. You know. Spend time with God. It's really awesome. You know, do ministry, work on a sermon, meet with people, plan for events. And for the most part, try my best to be as encouraging, uplifting, gracious, patient as I possibly can. And for the most part, I genuinely enjoy and I'm really grateful for what I get to do. I love being a pastor. But then when I go get home, a lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times I walk through the door and it's like something just shuts down. All of a sudden I feel tired and I just want to disconnect. You know, I just want to like get on my phone, I just want to turn on the TV. And it's usually around that time when Amber will want to talk. She want to tell me about her day, all of the good things that she experiences, the challenges that she faced, uh, an article that she read online, something that she heard on a podcast, what she had for lunch, what's on sale at Ikea, 
and what house just popped up on the market? And then she's telling me these things, right? We had to say, I could feel myself just being impatient. I could feel myself slightly irritable. I could hear myself being critical, short, just cranky. And in recent weeks and months, and I wish I could say years, but in recent weeks, I've been feeling as if God was saying, I want that time in that space too. And that's not easy for me. I need God's help to do that. You see, I don't need God to go home, disconnect, and watch Netflix. Like, I don't need the spirit for that. That's on me. I could do that in my sleep. But to come home after a long day, maybe a hard day, dealing with stressful things, and to be patient, to be present, to be loving, to be encouraging, to be gracious. Like, I need the spirit to do that. So a lot of times as I'm driving home from work, I'm praying, okay, God, like, I know you want this time and space. I know you want to use my words and my actions and my thoughts as an offering acceptable and pleasing to you, but you got to help me. you got to help me. And I don't always get it right. I don't always do it well. But all I can say is that when those times I, I do it well, when I do get it right, Everybody benefits. You know, I think, I think God is honored and he's glorified. Amber gets a better husband. My kids get a better dad. And I just feel better about being a better husband and a better dad and a better servant to the king I serve. Now, these are just a couple of things that God has been doing and pressing and challenging me with. These are parts of my life that God has been wanting to address, asking me to bring to him as an offering acceptable to him. What is God wanting for your life? What aspects of your life is he asking you to perhaps let go of, give him access to? What aspects is he asking you to bring to him as an offering to him? Will we ask those questions? Will we take the time to listen? Will we respond by giving him those things as an offering that is pleasing and acceptable to him? As we close our time this morning, as we move back into a time of, of worship through singing and through praise, let us invite the Spirit to, to speak to us. Invite him to highlight any area in our life that he wants to, to work on, that he wants us to perhaps let go of. And let us use these next 10 minutes, these next two songs, as an offering to him. Let us sing, not just with our lips, but with our hearts, with our minds, with our bodies, that all of us, all of me, all of you, would be an offering because of who he is, because of all of the good that he has done. Let me pray for us.
good and gracious Father. We thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you for being a God who is good and faithful. And to just think about all of the good that you've done, God, the grace that you have shown us, the mercy that you have extended. God, we thank you and we praise you. And God, we know what you desire for us. We know what you desire from us. But we need your spirit and your power to enable us to do this. So God, during this time, I pray for your spirit. We invite you to speak to each and every one of us that we were, would hear your, your voice, your words of encouragement and hope, but also live truth, God. We invite you to speak. And we give you this time. We give you the space. We give you our lips. We give you our heart. We give you our minds as an offering to you. Because you are worthy. You are good. You are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.